We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Internet culture has spawned a new offspring, so-called Nepo babies. Nepo, short for nepotism, and Nepo babies being the celebrity children of celebrity parents in movies, modeling, music, or sports. They've recently become the target of social media scorn for their presumably inside track to jobs and fame. But what are we really mad about? Nepotism has been around forever in everything from politics to small family businesses, which doesn't make it right. But does it always make it wrong? We discuss on Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Welcome to Forum. Gwyneth Paltrow, Zoe Kravitz, Jeff Bridges, Jamie Lee Curtis, Maya Hawk. They're all celebrity kids working in the same industry or similar as their famous parents. And internet culture has two words for them, nepo babies, to call out the family that likely gave them an unfair advantage. But the practice of the powerful, giving jobs or opportunities to kids, relatives, or friends, isn't limited to Hollywood. We see it in sports, college admissions, politics with families like the Kennedys, Bushes, and Trumps, and even small businesses. So how has nepotism affected your life? And does all of it bother you? Or are there exceptions? You can tell us what you think at 866-733-6786 or by posting on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at KQED Forum. You can always email us forum at KQED. Dot org. Joining me first is Nate Jones, whose vulture piece called How a Nepo Baby is Born inspired today's segment. Welcome, Nate. Thank you for having me. So tell us how the term Nepo Baby was born. <laughs> so Nepo Baby is short for nepotism baby, which is a term that sort of started bubbling up uh, online predominantly from sort of Generation Z, Zoomers, uh, on spaces like TikTok and things like that, probably over the pandemic. I think the earliest link I could find for it was sometime in like late 2020. Um, And the pandemic, you know, saw a a backlash against celebrities. And it also sort of highlighted the importance of their family ties in that you started to notice that a lot of up-and-coming starlets and so so on were... uh, quarantining with their famous parents and suddenly they became like supporting characters in their parents social media so that kind of increased the spotlight on them and then you know things kind of went from there yeah it's one of the reasons that it caught on to the point where these celebrity kids were being asked to respond how did some of them respond um in a variety of ways i mean there's 
been a lot of defensiveness about it, which I understand. Um, but there's also been a kind of uh, acceptance. And I think the savviest Nepo babies know that to complain about it only kind of makes it worse. And uh, we got a good example of that with uh, Lily Rose Depp, who is the daughter of Johnny Depp. And in, I think it was November, she sort of took issue with the term and really hit back on it. And that just made her the public face of it in a way. Whereas, you know, people like Maya Hawk, who've been a little more low key about it and have just sort of said like, yes, I had an advantage. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm not talented, I don't deserve to stick around. They sort of, you know, are under much less harsh of a spotlight. I'm curious why you think this became an issue now. It's felt like Hollywood has kind of loved the children of famous people, and we can get into the reasons why they love the children of famous people, but by and large, so has the public, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, the why now is a fascinating question. Um, one thing I learned in my research that this has been literally going on for a hundred years. You know, the first Hollywood Nepo baby, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., got his first contract in 1923. So it's 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 definitely not new in any sense. Um, as for why now, I think it's kind of every generation has their own sort of version of this. You know, a, a generation of young people sort of enters young adulthood and realizes that they can't be anything everything that they want it to be. And then, you know, you sort of start to look around and you know, your eyes get open to all these sort of structural disadvantages. And yeah, like my generation, I am I am a millennial. So we had the, the girls' wars of 2012, which I'm sure <laughs> all of us remember, uh, which is, you know, took up the entire internet for years and years and years. Um, but yeah, so this is sort of the Generation Z sort of has their own version of it where it's sort of built around, you know, TikTok callouts and and did you know this and sort of slideshows. And I don't know, it's much, there is sort of a more awareness about systemic privilege and sort of a comfort with using these sort of terms that previous generations might have felt were sort of academic, but the, you know, these sort of, you know, social media, sociological buzzwords. And that's kind of the Gen Z flavor for this sort of eternal discussion. Yes, you thought that Operation Varsity Blues, that scandal in 2019, where celebrities were trying to get their kids into you know, USC and other high-ranking universities or elite colleges, that that played a role with this generation. Yes, exactly. I think that was a very eye-opening um, scandal in that it's sort of exposed all these things that you sort of kind of assumed were happening, but didn't really have any proof. And suddenly you sort of knew like, oh, this is exactly how it works. These are how the strings are pulled. These are how, you know, you fake rowing machine photographs to get somebody an athletic scholarship into USC. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was it was buzzy and it was kind of funny as well. These people became you know, the, the whole thing about Nepo babies is they have these very privileged existences, but they became sort of figures of fun and that you would kind of laugh at at the antics that they pulled. And I think that is also sort of an element is there's sort of a fun and a froth of this discussion, even though it does sort of deal with these very heavy topics. There is, you know, for the people who at least who are participating in it, there's sort of a lightness to it. Right. But 
you mentioned earlier that you could understand why there was a certain defensiveness, and maybe it is the lightness with which it was being discussed when for others, it may have created a real sense of insecurity in them. I think Zoe Kravitz even said that uh, to an interviewer at one point. I guess I would ask you, Nate, do you think they deserve the ire? It's not like they can help what families they're born into. I mean, deserve is a is a complicated question. But um, I can understand, I can empathize with them. Um, I think some of them have mentioned that that this whole Nepo Babies conversation feels like cyberbullying to them. And I'm sure from their perspective, it, it does feel like cyberbullying. You know, they are being, uh, you know, they're being targeted online for things that they cannot control. Um, the flip side is that this is sort of the the unspoken bargain of sort of using your parents' fame. Like, you know, if they didn't want people to call them Nepo babies, they could, you know, do some other job, but they are trying to, you know, start careers in the entertainment business. So it's sort of, yeah, like I said, an unspoken bargain where it's, you know, you get to have a slight leg up because of who your parents are, and we get to kind of make fun of you for it. And one thing I've seen from this, from the research I did, was that, you know, there comes a point when people sort of stop making fun of you where you, you've been around long enough and you've created, you know, a long enough resume and your identity can kind of, kind of stand on its own. And it generally seems to happen around like the early 40s. <laughs> so for any Nepo babies who are kind of, you know, feeling feeling victimized by this whole thing, which again, I empathize with this, it can't be easy. But I would just say, you know, keep working and, and stick it out. And, <laughs> you know, eventually there will become, there will come a time when no one will care who your parents are anymore. <laughs> We're talking with Nate Jones. The piece How a Nepo Baby is Born for New York Magazine um, uh, is an issue on nepotism in celebrity culture. And Nate Jones is a senior writer for Vulture. It's interesting, after this, there were several other pieces that looked into other industries like modeling and even um, the NBA as well. So so this really took off. This became something where nobody was spared. I also want to ask you about how Tom Hanks wasn't spared. Tom Hanks tried to defend his kids getting major acting gigs in his films and various other opportunities. He said acting was just their family business. Can you say a little bit more about how Tom Hanks tried to explain it and how that went over? <laughs> Yes. Uh, I mean, what Tom Hanks said is something that I heard a lot from people who, you know, who work in the industry, which is, you know, well, if, you're, if your parents made shoes, you, you know, it's more likely that you would grow up to make shoes, which, yeah, I think all of us can understand. Um, but it's just a little, it feels, one of the reasons that get people's hackles up is because, you know, shoemaking is, I think we would all say, is, you know, a less competitive industry um, than, than acting. And it's, you know, perhaps less remunerative. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think, you know, there was a little bit of backlash about that, but yes, I think, you know, at, at one sense, it is sort of just common sense that like, if you grew up in the business, you are going to just, even without bringing any like string pulling, you are just going to have an easier time. You know how to get an agent, you know how to handle an audition, you know how to meet with casting directors. Um, but it is just, you know, the, the prominence and the, just the sheer amount of them is I think the thing that sort of gets people's hackles up. Yeah, the, the wealth and fame that they have access to in a 
industry where wealth and fame opportunities are very hard to come by. It may not have gone over so well when Tom Hanks told Reuters, we have four kids. They are all very creative. They are all involved in some brand of storytelling. And if we were a plumbing supply business or if we ran the florist's shop down the street, the whole family would be putting in time at some point, even if it was just inventory at the end of the year. We're talking about nepotism, and I want to hear from you, listeners. Has nepotism affected your life, either as a beneficiary or someone who was passed over because of it? Have you ever gotten a job or internship for a child or family member or said no when a relative asked you for a job? Does nepotism bother you? Why or why not? Can it ever be a good thing? 866-733-6786 is the number. Email address forum at kqed.org. At KQED Forum is where you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I do want to ask you kind of that last part of what Hank said, which is, do you think nepotism is more okay if it is a family business like plumbing? <laughs> In people's sure. minds, Nate. Yeah. I'm sure if you were a plumber who didn't get a job because of, you know, because, you know, the child got uh, hired instead, you would probably say no, it's the same thing. But I think there there is sort of a common ground, which is, you know, one of the books I read in my research was this book by Adam Bellow, who's coincidentally the son of, non-coincidentally, the son of Saul Bellow. And his book is called <laughs> In Defense of Nepotism. And he sort of makes the point that the reason this is so tricky is because nepotism, we don't we don't judge it based on the process. We judge it based on the results. And so there's no sort of first principles law we can we can do. You know, if you hire somebody and they, they get a job because of nepotism and they turn out to be great and talented, you're not going to care. You know, if you have a doctor who saves your life, you don't care that his dad was a doctor. Uh, but it's only when the, you know, the child is obviously untalented and, and doesn't merit their place that we sort of get up in arms about it. Um, but you can't know that until they actually get in the door so that's why you know that's why we love to argue about this it's because it's such sort of an there's no clear lines and there's no clear boundaries about like what is okay and what is not okay we're talking about nepo babies the children of celebrities who go into the family business of movies modeling sports the like nepotism has been around forever but lately it seems to be bugging everyone as nate jones the reaction to nate jones piece uh is a testament to the piece is how a nepo baby is born more after the break stay with us Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Here's what we're talking about tomorrow. President Biden has announced he's ending the public health emergency for COVID in May. 
But that doesn't mean it's not affecting you. KQED's digital news team has been gathering your questions about living with COVID in 2023, from long COVID to new variants. And we'll answer those. Today, we're talking about the renewed focus on nepotism and why it seems to be having a moment not necessarily for good. Uh, And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation, telling us how nepotism has affected your life, your reaction to the fact that nepo babies or the children of celebrities are being called out, if you've ever practiced it practiced it by giving it a relative, a job, or an internship, or actually declined it because you were concerned about the ethical implications. You can email forum at kqed.org, post your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or call us at 866-733-6786. This listener writes, a Nebo baby's response to being called out or criticized is a litmus test for character. If they acknowledge their privilege and have humility, they are likely okay people. The ones that don't, beware. Nate Jones is with us, senior writer for Vulture. And Allison Schrager is joining us now, an economist and senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Schrager is also an opinion columnist for Bloomberg and wrote the recent piece, Open Your Mind to the Benefits of Nepotism. Allison Schrager, welcome to Forum. Hi, thanks for having me. So you have talked about how we have a complicated relationship with nepotism. Your piece, of course, is about opening our minds. But You do say that on the one hand, society rightly condemns nepotism. Why does it rightly condemn nepotism on one hand? Well, I think it does feel unfair. And I think one of the reasons why Nate's story struck such a nerve is, I mean, what's a bigger dream than becoming a movie star? And there's very few places for it. And if the only way to do it is being born into the right family, it feels really unfair to people. Um, This is it, though. You know, I think nepotism has been changing and evolving over the years, but it is traditionally how a lot of people got jobs. People used to be sort of just always go into the family business. But I think now that we're this is, you know, our economy at least feels a lot more competitive and there's fewer sort of jobs that sort of give you sort of the keys to the kingdom. I think people are getting a little bit more upset about it. Hmm. Well, this listener tweets, I see it all the time as a union plumber. It comes with the territory, sometimes fortunately and most times Unfortunately, a business agent's son or daughter will get pushed through the apprenticeship when they should be doing something else completely out of trades. Daniel writes, as someone who was very involved in the fashion and modeling business, to send a woman or man down the runway simply because their parents were famous does a disservice to the women and men who have taken this job seriously. It's so interesting because it almost feels like while nepotism is defined basically as having power and influence and giving friends or relatives jobs or opportunities as a result of that, it feels like there's an additional piece of this that really gets at the unfair part that you were just talking about, Alison Schrager, which is if they're unqualified, (laughs) if it seems like they shouldn't have that job at all, like it is particularly frustrating. Do you think that's true? Well, especially if they're your coworker. This is it. Like you want to work with competent people that enables you to do your job better. So, you know, if you're working next to someone who is there just because of their father and they can't perform the role, then that's, you know, more work on you and you have to compensate for that. And also, if you've worked your way up, it, it does feel even more unfair. Although to some extent, I would expect over time that this would become less of an issue because, you know, 
for good or for bad, we're much better at monitoring people now in their jobs. So before, you know, it was a lot easier to sort of just rise through the ranks if you're incompetent, but you happen to know the right people. But more and more, we're able to assess um, how well people are doing in their actual jobs. So perhaps we'll see less of that. You mentioned there was also the economy at play. You're saying basically, if we had a situation where there were enough good jobs for enough people, this moment that nepotism is having might not be the case. Yeah. And I mean, I actually do think there's enough good jobs for enough people because to some degree, it, it, you know, good jobs create the need for more good jobs. But I think where nepotism and that's one of the reasons gets particularly people get very angry about it is in those so few industries where there are very sort of fewer slots. Like there's only so many movie stars um, and even fewer than there used to be. So, I mean, if Maya Hawk gets to be a new movie star, but someone else doesn't. Um, I think that feels unfair, although to some extent, I'm not sure what the state of the world is where uh, movie stars are becoming movie stars, a very meritocratic thing. I imagine I don't know how movie stars are normally chosen, but it does always seem sort of somewhat arbitrary and unfair no matter what process we use. Hmm. Well, let me go to some calls. We've got a lot coming in. Gary and Vallejo start us off. Hi, Gary. You're on. Hey, good morning. Um, I don't know if uh, many of your, your listeners are aware, but Vallejo's had some pretty significant uh, police issues. And our, when I moved to Vallejo back in the um, late 90s, the chief of police uh, brought his son, who was an Oakland police officer, to Vallejo. And his son has been involved in numerous incidents. And he was uh, recently let go, and now he's suing the city for something like $10 million. I think in government agencies, especially, nepotism really has no place. And when I worked at a government agency, we actually had it uh, in our uh, contract that uh, it wouldn't be tolerated. Well, Gary, thanks for sharing your experience and insight on it. Let me go to Johnny in Silicon Valley next. Hi, Johnny, you're on. Yeah, I, I worked in Hollywood, and I won't name names, but nepotism is, and I'd love for your, your guests to say, nepotism is the way it worked. And we used to have a running joke, and one of my buddies was VP scripted Warner Brothers, and he would know who he is. But we would always say, like, when somebody was untalented, we were like, how did they get that job, and who are they related to? Because it was literally the funniest thing you ever saw. It's like, and you'd be shocked at who whose people are related to somebody. And that became from the talent agencies. And to us, it was really sad because there were a lot of really talented people that never got a shot. And I think Tom Hanks is disingenuous. We've worked with his son. His son's a great guy. But it's just like we were, there were so many other people that some of these guys just mailed it in. I want to hear what your, what your, guest, what your guest thinks about that. There are so many other people who just mailed it in. Well, Allison, we got your thoughts on it. Let me see, Nate, what do you think in terms of just this question of people who do? There's another listener who writes, what I'm not hearing in this conversation is mediocrity. Just because someone is a child of a celebrity, it does not mean that they are talented. The entertainment industry is clogged with nepo babies. It limits access and diversity and retains a status quo of mediocrity. What do you think? Uh, yes, that uh, aligns with something that I heard. I spoke to sort of a veteran casting director who had, you know, met with many children of famous people over the years. And yeah, she said, there's just, you see so many mediocrities come through the door because they sort of know how to, you know, stick their foot in more than somebody just off the bus from Kansas. Um, and she, she said that she has sort of a, a go-to script that when she, when she sees the child of a famous person that like for sort of 
bridge burning reasons, you shouldn't really say no to them because their parents might be very powerful or their agency might be very powerful. So you, you know, you need to see them, but you don't need to cast them. And and so she says, you know, not right for the role, but a, a lovely person was, you know, one of the things she said to me. But she also said that, you know, the the industry maybe has more tolerance for mediocrity than it used to. You know, we are seeing so many streaming projects. We're seeing so many people who are just famous through Instagram. You don't really need to have that spark to light up a movie screen to be, you know, relatively famous in the entertainment industry anymore. If a person ends up showing themselves to be really highly skilled, maybe they also win awards, um, Oscars and other highly coveted awards, do you think they should get a pass from the public scrutiny of nepotism? I don't know about a pass, but I think, you know, at a certain point, people get tired of talking about it. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is somebody that we sort of thought of when we were writing this story is somebody who, you know, at the time did certainly get get a leg up from, you know, her parentage. She's said many times that she wouldn't have gotten cast in Halloween if she wasn't Janet Lee's daughter. But at this point, you know, we're 45 years later, you know, I think we can all agree that Jamie Lee Curtis has had a wonderful career and she just got her first Oscar nomination last week. And yeah, I don't, I don't know about a past, but at a certain point, it's like, yeah, we don't need to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis business parentage anymore. Like, there's other things to talk about with her. We're talking about nepotism and nepo babies, children of celebrities who go into the family business of movies, modeling, sports, and the like, and also sort of the surprising nuances because nepotism is practiced so broadly. We're hearing from you, our listeners. Let me go to Nicole in Oakland next. Hi, Nicole, you're on. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, you know, something that your guest just said, it really, this conversation is, I will say, it's a little infuriating that we're even having it. I just, I, I think that there is this underlying issue of maybe it's really mediocrity that's the issue versus nepotism. Mm. Um, I just, I, I just wonder if that's really the crux of the issue. I mean, I, I know I grew up where you work to make your children's life better than your own. And I know everyone starts somewhere, but the fact that like now we're saying, oh, we're not even going to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis's nepotism because enough time has passed. It just, I don't know. I just, I feel like this conversation is really just being set to just divide us more than bringing people together. Um, I just, I'm very confused by this conversation and why we're even having it. Well, also, were you going to talk about how even your own experience with regard to... Yeah, no, I, I have a really good friend. Her family is... Cambodian immigrants, they opened up a donut shop. Um, and as we know from, uh, you know, our, our culture and our history, that there's a lot of donut shops that are owned by Cambodians and it's past their family. So I, I, are we not concerned about that? I mean, I just, I just kind of wonder if this is really a conversation that is attacking, you know, I, I guess the, the hierarchy that is just being attacked right now, left and right. Is this an, is this an attack on people with white privilege? Is it not? It just, I don't, I really don't understand what the conversation is. Yeah, to be honest with you, not, Karen. not so much an attack, but, but looking at the nuances of what qualifies as nepotism. Um, and, and Alison Schrager, to Nicole's point, you have asked us to try to take a different view of the concept, one where we can find common ground on where nepotism is potentially not a bad thing and common ground on where nepotism might actually be harmful as well. When you say try taking a different view of the concept, for example, 
an efficient transfer of valuable human capital. What do you mean? And is that similar to Nicole's point about the donut shops? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you do grow up, I mean, Tom Hanks, it, it sounds really tone deaf, but he has a point. And if you grow up in a family business, you are exposed to things like Gwyneth Paltrow went to a lot of theater when she was a child. You, you're around industry people. And to some degree, you are already learning skills that kind of acts as an apprenticeship when you're a child where you said you are exposed to these skills early. And to some degree, that gives you a, a big leg up. I, I mentioned in my Bloomberg column, I'm an economist. Economists apparently have a big nepotism problem too, a very high fraction of economists have parents who were. But if you look at, say, Emily Oster or Larry Summers, two famous economists, that they were both had both parents were great economists. And they talk about things like in their childhood, like at Larry Summers, he and his brothers had to bid on, you know, who got to watch TV when. You know, he was being trained to be an economist far before anyone else, as far before I was. And so, I mean, does that make him a better economist now? Probably, because, you know, he got his training earlier. And that's useful. And I think also, to your caller's earlier point, I think one problem we're really suffering from right on the labor market is, you know, people feeling disconnected from their jobs and not feeling like there's something they can take pride in. And I know in my research, when I talk to people in sort of all sorts of obscure jobs, I always ask, how'd you end up doing this? They're like, my father did it. And there's so much pride in that. And I think, you know, people feeling connected to their jobs from it being a family tradition also allows people to take more pride in their jobs. And I think that's also kind of missing now more now. Well, let me go to another Nicole, also in Oakland. Hi, Nicole, you're on. Hi, um, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, so I, I come from a family of, of contractors and people in construction, and I now work in construction with no real formal background. And I'm not pro-nepotism or I don't have strong feelings about it, but it is interesting. Um, I don't think I'd be taken as seriously or have made it as far as I have in the trades if I didn't have a family background. Um, and as a woman in construction and, you know, you know, people often ask me, that's so cool. How did you, how did you get there? Other women would like to get there. And um, so it's worked, it's worked to, to my advantage um, in the world of construction, but I think it's important to have more women in construction. So I just wanted to offer that. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. And I think it underscores a point you were making, Allison, about the value in working in the same occupation as your family as well, and the possibilities that it can open up. Uh, Another listener writes, as someone trying to get into medicine, the stat that if your parents are doctors, you have a 24 times greater chance to be one is astounding. Another listener writes, It goes to our battle against feudalism. As a democracy, we want our vote to count. The king or queen choosing their son or daughter for their role does not fly. Hollywood be warned. I want to bring into the conversation an expert on another industry. Professor Keith Harrison is Professor DeVos Sports Business Management, part of this Professor DeVos Sport Business Management graduate program at the University of Central Florida, also a research leader of the NFL's annual diversity and inclusion report. Professor Harrison, thanks so much for being with us. Honored to be here, Grace. Let's let's do this. Yeah, and it's actually Mina. Grace is our awesome producer who uh, brought you on today. And I'm so glad because you're a researcher for the NFL. And I'm curious if you could just talk about how nepotism operates in the NFL. Absolutely. And I want to go back to Mina 
Um, Nicole, I'll call Nicole number one caller's point. I, I love that she raised the question, you know, what is the conversation about? Well, you know, this is my 30th year, four universities. I've been doing the NFL research my whole career in the mobility reports. And I want to clear some things up based on theory and empirical fact. Number one, it's not about things feeling unfair. The reality is unfair. I grew up in a home. I'm one generation removed from segregated parents that grew up in segregated Texas, raised me in urban, suburban L.A. There is no such thing as fair. Meritocracy. We need to just have a PSA that says we don't really have a meritocracy. People hire the data shows across psych, social psych, historical literature, org behavior. People hire folks they're comfortable with. People hire folks that they trust, regardless of performance. I spoke to a, a class at the University of Arizona, and I, I said, go to the chat. I was on Zoom. I said, what of the majority of coaches, which have been mostly white American males, nothing against them, do they have winning or losing records? Every one of the students put winning records. Here's the fact. No, they do not. And they continue to get reshuffled. Now I'm going to go to the African-American communities. We know many pastors, preachers, bishops, they put their own kids on in their own churches. So for the listeners out there, I'm critical of nepotism. It's, 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 it's more about that we're biased. We're biased. So um, I hired my cousin to adjunct teach a class at UCLA. I was doing some work with them. He got his master's from them. No one had ever picked up the phone. He did a great job teaching. I didn't pick him because he was my cousin. I picked him because he was really good, but I knew him more. So when I pick research assistants out of, for my research lab at UCF, Paul Robeson Research Center, I pick 90% of them come from my class where I've got to view them for 16 weeks. If you look at Jerry Jones's uh, VIP suite every game, there's no diversity in the suite most of the time. He might have a former Black or African-American player. It's his family. So people rather would rather be comfortable than even being uncomfortable having higher performance. That's an empirical fact. Well, Lewis writes, and I think it's echoing what you're saying. Lewis writes, I wanted to highlight how nepotism helps to keep industries non-diverse and exclude groups and individuals that may be more qualified but don't know the right people or weren't born to the right people. Honey, funny how we view our country as a meritocracy, but in reality, it's very far from and has been that since its inception. We'll have more with Keith Harrison, Allison Schrager, and Nate Jones after the break and more about your thoughts on nepotism. Stay with us. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the renewed focus on nepotism and why, and the surprising nuance of something that on its face is often seen as straight up unfair. Nate Jones is with us, senior writer for Vulture, who wrote a piece called How a Nepo Baby is Born. Allison Schrager is an opinion columnist for Bloomberg, who wrote the piece Open Your Mind to the Benefits of Nepotism. Professor Keith Harrison is the research leader of the NFL's annual diversity and inclusion report, also with the University of Central Florida. And Keith Harrison, I want to ask you a question. So you were pointing out how pastors how you yourself helped people to get roles, how you've been frustrated by what happens with coaching in the NFL and how it tends to keep people out. I'm wondering if you think that, I don't know, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's more okay when marginalized people practice some form of nepotism to level the playing field, so to speak, or do you think it's unethical regardless of how you're positioned? I don't think it's unethical and I don't think marginalized people um, or, you know, groups. It's a great question you're asking. I I, I don't think we should get a pass. Okay. I'm a person of color, African-American. However, where I want to change the conversation is let's interrogate things like best for the job, fit, most qualified. And I want to comb people through the NFL. I could go through society, but we don't have time. (laughs) Cliff Kingsbury, someone I know, I've worked with him, great human being, and a good coach overall. But when he got hired at the NFL, he was 36 wins, 40 losses, one and two in bowl games. He takes a quarterback job at SC, then he gets the Cardinals job with no NFL experience. He just got fired 28-37-1, and and the Bidwell family gave him a five-year renewal deal this season before firing him. Now, we could have funded a lot of K-12 schools that need equitable computers, uh, better teachers, et cetera. Um, we, we could have done a lot. with. They just gave him a five-year deal, and, and then they fired him. Jeff Saturday, because many people do not know that this is happening in the NFL as a context. Jeff Saturday, former NFL player, had no coaching experience at any level except, I think, a prep school in, in high school. He volunteered coach. And the Irsay family hired him. Why did they hire him? Because they like him. They like having dinner. They like sipping with him. And so we need to move the conversation to this. I don't hire people that can't do the job, even if I know them. Why do we have folks subjectively biased and not even objectively biased where they don't even win? And then they continue to rehire them with no evidence that they're going to perform. And why, as you say, points to a lot of structural inequities in society that are too big, probably, to tackle just in this conversation, and frustration at nepotism is probably just reflective of some of that. Um, Nate Jones, what about 
I are directed at the athletes themselves who may have gotten opportunities because their parents were stars in the sports world as well. Not necessarily in coaching, but I do mean as athletes. I write this because New York, I asked this because New York Magazine wrote a piece about the NBA and nepotism in sports. And it talked about, you know, Del Curry is the dad of Steph Curry and Seth Curry and Gary Payton II and how Michael Thompson is the dad of Clay Thompson and so on. And do you think that sports is defined by more objective markers than than in Hollywood? Like, what do you think about the way that people treat it in the NBA or with athletes that have to yeah. have a certain level of skill? Yes, I think, you know, the difference of the way the conversation plays out in the NBA or NFL and Hollywood is entirely, yeah, it's entirely different because sports, you know, has some measure of objectivity, like if somebody is good, they will score a lot of points and they will win a lot of games. It's and if somebody's not good, they will lose a lot of games and you know be played off the floor. It's there are just sort of these objective benchmarks to say that you know somebody is qualified or unqualified in a way that they're kind of isn't, you know, in Hollywood where it's so much more subjective. You know, we you and I can watch the same movie and one of us will think, oh, you know, that actress was phenomenal. And the other one will say, oh no, she was, you know, awful, she was way too big. Um, and also with sports, it's interesting, you know, we, we get into hereditary a little bit, which is something that the, uh, the, 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 the modern sort of TikTok conversation is very interested in, you know, uh, Nepo babies who look like their famous parents in sports, you know, there are certain things that are, you know, easily heritable, you know, height, for example, you know, if your father is seven feet tall and you, you know, grow up to be also seven feet tall, yes, that's an advantage in, you know, basketball, but it would be hard to say that's unfair. Yeah. Professor Harrison, what do you think? While there are also those genes <laughs> that are at play, you know, if you are the kid of uh, an NBA player, you're more likely to get probably access to athletic development that's really high level, more attention from talent agents and, and college scouts and so on. Do you think work needs to be done at the athlete level, not just the coach level? I want to first go back to Nate just made a outstanding point, how we can't measure objectively films are subjective, right? So whenever people ask me, well, what'd you think of the movie? I'm like, why don't you just go see it? I can't really tell you. So someone needs to figure that out. And, and I said all that to say in, in, in sport, you're going to have people that, yeah, genes are part of it, but they still have to work hard to research. So, so the McCaffrey, um, Christian McCaffrey, his dad was Ed playing in the NFL. His mother was an All-American soccer player, I believe, at UNC Chapel Hill. We have Jalen. Actually, if people don't know, we have the first two African-American or Black quarterbacks to face off in the history of the NFL since Doug Williams was the first to win a Super Bowl, African-American quarterback, 88. Why am I saying that? Patrick Mahomes' father played pro baseball. Um, I believe his mother has some athletic background experiences uh, Jalen Hurts dad was a coach, um, you know, comes from two parent home, et cetera. So there's layers to how people end up performing. And, and as I said, we're all going to be biased. I just think that it's disingenuous to say, to say that we have merit. Um, and, and, and Nicole one caller brought up and I'll stop on this, you know, is it attack on, whites or white privilege or systemic privilege. I think it's an attack, our conversation on the ecosystem that has inequities and at times our discourse 
perpetuates that it's fair. That's mm. the problem. Hmm. At times our discourse perpetuates that is fair. If it is these massive structural inequities, kind of feels like maybe we shouldn't necessarily be concentrating all our ire at the individual level, Alison Schrager. What do you think? Yeah, I think Dr. Harrison really brings up a big point, which is it's maybe not nepotism, but just the generally who gets into what job and why and why sometimes like the best people are not in the best jobs. And sometimes it's someone whose family, you know, is the right person for the job. And sometimes there's they're not. And as I said, I think as we're getting better technology, one, to find workers and two, to assess how good they are in the job, maybe we should be focusing more on one, sort of giving more people access to the benefits that nepotism babies get, which is, you know, sort of access to better mentorship when they're young, better training. And also, as I said, be better at finding the right people for the right job and finding different cues to make people feel comfortable so they don't have to rely on knowing someone. Yeah, I think there was a uh, a piece in the New Republic that, that wrote that, you know, if equal, unequal opportunity is what really bothers you, then tossing pebbles at Dakota Johnson isn't going to get you very far. Um, another listener here writes... Um, we can't dismiss the benefit of our parents' connections and their knowledge of the systems they work in. For many, navigating the system itself is the biggest barrier to entry. Another listener writes, what's the opposite of nepotism? I'm not sure, but this might be an example. My original application to NYU Law School was rejected, and after my first year of law school, I applied to transfer there. When I walked in the door on my first day and looked at the wall of the school's earliest graduates at the founding, I saw my great-grandfather's name, kind of felt good to know I hadn't leveraged it at all. Steve writes, even though Nicholas Coppola took advantage of nepotism early on, he soon changed his name to Nicholas, Nicholas Cage to avoid the appearance of nepotism. Sounds like he got to have his cake and eat it too. And Steve writes, do we have examples of movie stars who consciously direct kids away from Hollywood due to awareness of drugs, backstabbing, and the fleeting nature of stardom? Whew, a whole range of responses coming from our listeners about this. Let me go to caller John in San Francisco. Hi, John, you're on. Good morning. Uh, this... Uh... This subject has been with me all my life. My father was the president of the Teamsters Union in San Francisco, the largest union in, in Northern California, 15,000 members. And this was the 60s when the, the Vietnam War was raging and there was hundreds of jobs going out every day out of the hiring hall for the Teamsters. I got discharged from the Marine Corps and he said, uh, I'm going to get you a job. Here's, a, here's, here's where you're going to behave. Everything you do is a reflection on me. My job is an elective job. Men are going, to, are going to be all over you because of who you are, because you're my son. They're going to watch you like a hawk, and they're going to, and, and they're going to, they're going to tease you. Only, and it to language is not really teasing. It's almost like fighting. Uh, how, do you, how you perform... Is, is, go, is going to either help me or hurt me. Mm-hmm. So I had to work harder. I had to behave myself more. I had to face these guys. Uh, now, I have a growing, a growing family at the time. I, I, I had a, co- a couple of kids. Um, I succeeded. You know, every job yeah. I had, they, they loved the way I worked. And, and, and I was a direct reflection on my father. My father kept getting reelected. Well, Here's, 
Yeah. Well, John, I appreciate you injecting that nuance into the experience of somebody who may have benefited, right, as a result of family member being in the field that that you entered. Let me go to Carlos next. Hi, Carlos, you're on. Oh, yeah. In favor of nepotism, I think we should give the audience a little bit of credit. You know, when, um, you know, good, for instance, is Lisa Bonet, you know, starred in, you know, the most watched TV show. And we and um, there was just a huge audience that just loved her. And then Lenny Kravitz is a, you know, double platinum, amazing um, uh, musician. And when they had Zoe Kravitz, you know, uh, we watch her grow up and we want her to do well. And the audience, you know, would love to see her do well. And there she is. And she's doing great. And I think she deserves every little bit of that. I mean, the audience, um, the audience lifted her up. And then also another point is if you're a child and, um, and your parents are actors, you know, you're going to be on set. You're going to get coaching. Um, your parents will be coaching you. You're just going to have a lot more um, experience. And I think that I think it's you know I think it's shorting these kids that have this experience. They worked this experience. They learned these experiences. Um, they um, they have the experience to be these actors that they're becoming. And I think you should give them credit just for the experience alone. Not not just the nepotism, but they get experience by being you know um, children of actors. So I don't think you know, and I don't think it's fair to just. Um, to cut it off as nepotism, you know, I mean, I'd be, I'm a little more worried about, um, you know, politics and nepotism and politics because, you know, that doesn't really, um, you know, like what was, you know, why were, why were the Kennedys, you know, um, as big as they were, if it wasn't for nepotism, I mean, that's a bigger problem. But anyway, those are my thoughts. Yeah. Well, you're, I think you're saying a lot there. Um, And let me just remind listeners, we're talking about nepotism and the surprising nuance within something that, Many Americans just feel on the face of it is straight wrong. Um, but uh, we're talking with Nate Jones, Allison Schrager, and Professor Keith Harrison. And Allison Schrager, Carlos is kind of bringing up, you know, should we be focusing our attention necessarily on the entertainment industry? There are a lot bigger fish to fry, maybe, that have much bigger um, implications for the structural inequities that exist in our society. He's also bringing up how there are you know, people that he can understand might be better equipped, skilled, or positioned to take on a role that provides joy to the audience than others. I want to ask you, do you think Americans' attitude toward nepotism is fairly unique? Um, or or do you think it's something that is, is broadly shared, you know, with other similar nations? Well, I mean, if you look, nepotism is actually more common in other countries, um, and there's a much longer history of it. Um, and I said, I don't, I mean, I, I think just, it's been really interesting hearing all the callers, because a couple things have jumped out at me. One is they represent, you know, a lot of people have their stories of nepotism, which largely reflect the broader economy that is actually most common in trade in, tra- in the trades. And, you know, it is traditionally how jobs have been handed down. And, you know, there's been problems with that. And that there's also been a lot of benefits. So I think in some ways, the Hollywood story is sort of a distraction, because like, I think, as I said, I, I think Dr. Harrison really brings up a good point of how are people getting jobs in, 
is the economy directing the talent the right way? And as an economist, that's what's interesting to me. And are we offering people, you know, diverse opportunities? I think who becomes a movie star isn't really so important. That's always going to be only a couple people. And that's always going to very sort of arbitrary, unfair process. I mean, you can't, it's not like applying to law school. So I, th I think, you know, we're getting more anxious about this, as I said, just because society feels like there's fewer and fewer good quality jobs, although that might not be true. But I, I, I think in a lot of ways, it is an opportunity to really think more carefully about how we allocate human capital. Yeah, well, one of the areas where it seems to be changing, we had on... I believe it was uh, Richard Reeves about legacy admissions in colleges and how you would reward family members or relatives of people um, who had parents or grandparents who attended the school. Johns Hopkins is abandoning that or has tried to largely and did that in 2014. And Amherst College has followed suit. I think Colorado even banned legacies in public colleges as well. So it does seem to be a tide that is turning in certain major industries. Well, this is no right. So interesting what Professor Keith Harrison said, people would rather choose the most comfortable person than have their best person sitting next to them in the job. So true. Meritocracy is an illusion. Another listener tweets, I just heard your guest say that because someone is a so-called Nepo baby, we get to make fun of them. No, we are not given the right to make fun of anyone. I think that was you, Nate Jones. Um, and I think this conversation has really shown that maybe the individual attack isn't nearly as reflective of how we're feeling um, because it often is much broader attacks on inequities in society. But let's bring it back in the last minute or two to what can be done if you are somebody who has benefited from nepotism. It does sound like people who acknowledge it, which has also come up from our listeners, uh, often you know, it's sort of disarming and, and they don't get as much criticism directed at them. Nate Jones? Yes, uh, I would agree from from my conversations with sort of the younger TikTokers who were sort of fueling this conversation. A lot of them mentioned people like Maya Hawk um, as, as people yeah. who have sort of acknowledged it and and sort of, yeah, as you say, disarmed the conversation, disarmed the backlash against them. Um, yeah, and, you know, like you say, it is probably unfair to be focusing so much on individuals when this is a structural problem. But that is sort of the function of Hollywood through the years is these stars, you know, they become larger than life. And so they wind up sort of personifying these sort of larger social trends. And that's yeah. sort of the beauty of stardom. And also, as we're seeing here, sort of the curse of it. Yeah. Well, Nate Jones, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Nate Jones is senior writer for Vulture. Jones wrote the anchor story, How a Nepo Baby is Born for New York Magazine. Allison Schrager is an opinion columnist for Bloomberg and wrote the recent piece, Open Your Mind to the Benefits of Nepotism. Allison Schrager, glad to have you on as well. Thank you. Keith Harrison is the research lead of the NFL's annual diversity and inclusion report, also at the University of Central Florida. Professor Harrison, thanks so much for being with us as well. It was an honor to be a part of this discussion. Thank you. Grace Wan produced today's segment. Thank you, listeners, for sharing your takes. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, 
the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.